I'm Marty Gold Cummings, and this is Marty Talks. We're chatting with your favorite stars, queens, and politicians to get all the tea on all things political. <laughs> also, before we start, like, hey, girl, it's good to see you. Thank you. For Hi, that. good to see you too. No, I get it. This is like the production, you know. It's like yeah. we should keep. We should keep this in, by the way. We're gonna keep. We're editing. We're keeping this in. Just for authenticity. Marty, I feel like you have ownership over amongst the queer community. I feel like that's your signature at this point. Yeah, auditory signature. Every queen does it. And I'm like, no, bitch, that's mine. But here we go. Welcome to Marty Talks. (laughs) Beautiful. Welcome to Marty Talks. We are chatting with Bowen Yang today. Marty Talks is produced by Purse Purse Productions, Bob the Drag Queen, Mitch Farino. I, of course, am your host, Marty Gold Cummings. And since I was a heralded guest of La Casa did I say that right? Who cares? Yeah, Whatever. sure. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, okay, we had to talk. I, I, I've done a lot of cool things in my career that I've gotten a lot of people like up in my DMs. But your podcast episode, I think, got me more messages than I've ever gotten. No way. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like it, um, we have a nice swath of listeners who are just like, you know, white, cis, straight women in their 20s and 30s who live in, like, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, who, like, don't really, like, have a conduit to, like, queer culture. Maybe. I don't know. So it's nice. Maybe, Maybe like, they... on, Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> Why the not? Dallas, Fort Worth metro area. Um, yeah. I I love doing your your podcast. We're having Matt on the show with um, Dave Mazzoni. Uh, Perfect. Uh, next week, I think. Um, but, yeah, okay. So I also just say I in this quarantine life have been looking for programs to invest my time in get excited about. And I, I, I binge the fuck out of Nora from Queens. Oh, good. Good. It's so good. It goes down easy. It's fun, right? It's like, you don't have to like, you you can put it on, you can fold laundry while, while it's on or something, you know, it's like, you don't have to like pay too much attention. It's not like a Lovecraft country where you're like, I got to key in to like, no, that's next on my list. That's next on my list. It's It's good. Yeah. I have to watch it, but you're, you're so funny and so good in it. And you know, the icon BD Wong, (laughs) who we talked about about him. Can we talk about him more? He's the best. I have a crush on him. Oh yeah, same. And like, Did I tell he you, like, oh, what? Sorry. No, you I go. Just, I, I think I said this on your podcast, but how I I was doing a, like a video for my old YouTube show from like 800 years ago, and yeah. he was like, "Oh, come do it at my apartment." And I used the bathroom just to look for his Tony, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> and I was like, "Where's Where's the Tony?" But I didn't want to tell him. That's why I was like using. The I'm bathroom. sure if you just asked, he's like a pretty open book. He probably would have just told you. I like, have I told you like my story? I, I, I must, I've said this a million times, like in other places, but first time I ever met him, I was invited to his new year's party. He throws these infamous new year's parties. And this is before I knew him, but this is before like, well, I knew of him. He didn't know of me. Um, but I had a friend of a friend uh, who's also an actor who invited me to his New Year's party. And the second I walk in, it's this raucous party filled with like the most stylish, chic people. And he is standing in his gorgeous kitchen in like eyelashes, a red lip, and like seven-inch knee-high hooker heels. And I'm like, you're my hero. And he was making like Chinese porridge kanji. And it was just like, oh my God, this is what I want to be when I grow up. He's amazing. That's very New York. It's so New York. It's so like, it's so like, I want a Tony in the 90s New York, you know? (laughs) That's a very niche specific New York. Yes. New York is not dead. Uh, No. (laughs) um, Okay. So let's, let's chat a little bit about, uh, you know, you're on SNL. Uh Mage. 
We love, we love. Congrats. So proud Thanks. of you. Oh my <laughs> Keep God. It up. Uh, but, you know, doing SNL in an election year yeah. is, you know, kind of like I feel what so many SNL actors, you know, get excited <laughs> about. You know, it's because it's, it, it's so popular doing sure. impersonations of political figures. And it's also, you know, the right wing media, which is garbage and trash and a dumpster fire of racism, mm-hmm. um, loves to, you know, shit all over it. So what is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. So fuck Fox news. Um, so what, what is it like doing SNL like in this really kind of heated political environment? I mean, I feel like it is, as a result of like the media landscape now, it is just so reactionary the way that things happen over there. I mean, which which in a way it's all, it always has been, but, and I'm not sort of qualifying it as good or bad, but it's like, we have to like, you know, we have to sort of like come up with the cold open, like on Thursday night or Friday morning or even Friday night. Like it's something like, you know, in, in some cases where, um, the media side, you know, it used to be that like, you know, media stories would get buried on Fridays, like things in, in, in Washington, like big stories would get buried on Fridays because there'd be less media coverage because the weekend was like this dead zone and like no one was watching the news. But now it's like everyone's too keyed in at all times and we're all just like, you know, going into panic attacks because of a New York Times notification. It's like, oh, like there's no escape from it and so it feels like we're constantly like white knuckling it until saturday which is just you know not a healthy place to be but that's just kind of like the the world that we live in it's no one's fault except like you know people who run media companies i guess (laughs) yeah it's yeah i can't imagine like being under that pressure of of putting out a product like that but also like just the constant barrage of notification like you said like like oh my gosh the new york times just posted this oh my gosh i just got a yeah. notification for this oh my gosh and it's like nonstop between twitter and yep. instagram and everything yeah. like we're getting news sort like news from so many different sources 24 yeah. 7 it's really overwhelming and like you know in terms of like transmuting like a dark terrible story into like something hopefully like palatable and understandable and fun and frivolous i mean that's like that's such a weird like dissociative thing now where it's like oh but like god it's just so bleak that there's no way to make this funny you know like um like i I, my first week at snl was um as a writer uh i got hired as a writer my first week of snl was the kavanaugh hearing um, oh my god! <laughs> and it was just—I mean, just remember how everyone was so, so despondent and sad, and like in the true depths of despair. And like you know, we like—I remember coming in on Saturday, and like we were, like you know, the writers had just written this Kavanaugh cold open like the night before, because um, I think the hear like the Doctor Ford hearing was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday, and then Kavanaugh was the night. I mean, it was just like so overwhelming and i remember thinking like oh this can't be normal like this has to be like uh an exceptional event but then and it kind of was but then like that kind of is like the mode of operation there all the time which is like very commendable in terms of like the way like the velocity with which people like make things and like the costumes are made and the sets are made but it's also like oh god like we are sort of like in this chokehold of like 
horrible news all the time. And so I hope that there's like some reprieve from that soon. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. It's I a, hope so. I hope it's so. It's a fuck a lot, girl. Uh, <laughs> This like the 2020 is like such a dumpster fire. It's been so yeah. like overwhelming. But I think like I read something the other day that I thought was really interesting about how everybody's like, oh my god, 2020 sucks. 2020 is horrible. And like, yes, obviously, like there's a pandemic, so that adds like a unique kind of like flair of mm-hmm. shitholism. But yeah. also like everything that's happening with the police and systemic racism and like you know stuff that that you know with Dr. Ford and and misogyny and 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 you know cis men getting away with yeah. you know rape you know like these mm-hmm, have these mm-hmm. this has been happening for decades and decades and decades in this country and it's just now like being so e- exacerbated and highlighted yeah, yeah but i think that's because, because there is this the, the the sort of silver lining for me is that there's this collective consciousness that's like developed out of like generations and generations of just like you know internalizing all this horrible horrible traumatic violent stuff that's happening around us and like now like we get to all sort of not all of us obviously but it's like there's there seem to be these like this biomass of like a voice that's like kind of hopefully coming together that's like my only sort of you know people coming together yeah i hope so and i you know i do think it is important to find moments of joy through this and so like Putting Absolutely. a comedic flair on on life is important. So the work yeah. you do is very important. Come on, and no wonderful. way. Yes, 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 uh, yes. What you I would like, give. What go? No, I was just saying. You know that. Like, <laughs> so you know, I'm running for office, and it's, it's yes. super stressful and hard, and like balancing, you know, a marriage and being out of work for six months while running for office, and yeah. you know, there's just everything that's happening in the country and the world. Turning on something like Nora from Queens was a great, like, c- comedic escape to oh, God. to like life. So it's so like it, there's value to that. There's such absolutely. Value to it. It's a great I mean, service. I would. I would have like. I, my mental health would be shot right now if I didn't have TV to watch and movies. Um, you know, oh, I started watching, just rolling with me. I'm I, rolling. <laughs> I started watching because I was like, you know what? I just want to cry in bed all day. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me put on something that just is like good and juicy and I can just fully numb out. So I started re-watching yeah. Desperate Housewives. From, the, from season one? From season one. It's great. It's so dumb. It's so stupid and like pulpy and campy, but it's so funny. It's so fucking dumb. That and Real Housewives of Potomac. <laughs> that like gets me through life. I have not watched this pat the most recent episode of Potomac, but it's me a, neither. It's, it's I'm a good saving season. it for tonight. Yeah. Good. It's good. So it's so good. Are you a Housewives girl? I like I was a latecomer to the Housewives as a franchise, and I've only kind of like cherry picked my seasons and my franchises. So my blind spots are Beverly Hills and Dallas, obviously, and like I don't know Jersey that well. I don't know. Wait, do you watch Dallas? No, but like I I remember watching like a couple episodes. But like my big blind spots are Beverly Hills and Atlanta. Mm. I know New York. I know Potomac, um, and I'm kind of excited for Salt Lake City. We'll see. I'm excited to get my husband grew up Mormon and went to Brigham Young, so I'm excited for BYU. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, me too. Because I grew up in Colorado, and like we had a lot of the the, the Mormons, kind of you know, crossed state lines into Colorado at some point. (laughs) So I'm slightly familiar with that world too, and it's fascinating. Like they, like these Mormon women are very like 
technologically like apt and they are very good at like branding themselves. They're very good at like presenting themselves as very palatable and very cool. And like you, you are drawn to them and you like them. And it's sort of this like lulling ruse into like being like on board with whatever their life is. I feel like that's sort of the recruitment tool with Mormonism is like, look how fun and casual and airy we are. And then that's how they get you. (laughs) I call it the original Scientology. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it's so kooky. It's so kooky. No shade to my in-laws. Love you. But Love you. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, no, it's nuts. Uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, but yeah, Housewives and Desperate Housewives are my saving grace through all oh of this. Oh, my God. I mean, God, s- season one is like Mrs. McCluskey and like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's one of those shows where, like, it came out when I was in high school in 2004. So I was still in right. high school. So it was, like, a long time. This was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So looking back, I'm like, I forget what happened. So I'm, like, fully invested. Like, oh, my God, did Brie Van Camp? Who's Who killed who? Right. Terry Hatcher is, like, lo- looking great with whatever, you know, Botox <laughs> she got during it. Like, I'm fully yeah. invested. Alfrey Woodard in season two is so good. Alfrey's phenomenal. I'm so excited for season six. I think it is when um, Dana Delaney comes in or Vanessa Williams. Well, Vanessa Williams is season seven. So beautiful, but no, Laurie Metcalf. The episode with Laurie, Laurie Metcalf. Metcalf yeah, do you remember that episode oh. at the grocery store? Season three, where she shoots up the grocery store. Is yeah. it season three? It's season three. You're, you're, oh, I thought it was season, season, or no, f- season three or four. I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I'm very excited. Laurie Metcalf is life. Laurie Metcalf is life. Look, but people like. I mean, maybe people don't forget this, but I have to remind myself constantly that Desperate Housewives pulled TV back into scripted territory because for a while there, like, we were being inundated with reality shows. The like, Simple acro- Life. Simple Life. Well, like, you know, like, that opened the door. Like, that broke the dam, and, like, all network TV was all reality shows and competition shows all the time. Like, American Idol was king. Um, and so people, like, really, like, spelled doom in terms of, like, scripted TV being dead. And then Desperate Housewives was such a hit. Remember, like, what a hit it was? Like, it was a cultural oh, event. It was huge. I would watch it every single week. I was so obsessed with it. And then it popped yeah. up on my Hulu, and I was like, oh, I'm going to give this a revisit. Yeah. And now, but, like, when I watch shows, like, I'm that kind of girl who I will be up till, like, 6 in the morning because I need to know <laughs> what happens. And then I, like, can't. Uh-huh. Then the next day, I'm like, oh, God, I got to go do life. And I, I just... I when I get invested, like I am invested. I will watch oh, for that sure. show till the till the fucking end. That's what with Potomac. Speaking of going back to Potomac, yeah, I had never. Everybody said this is the best in the franchise. You have, and I'm like, no, I'm a Beverly Hills, New York kind of gal. Yeah. and they're yeah. like, no, you have to watch Potomac. So I watched four seasons of Potomac in three weeks. I watched all four seasons like because I would oh. stay up to watch it because I was like, I need to catch up to where everybody else is. Wow. So you wanted the full like fledged experience. I wanted the backstory. I wanted to know. Who does support? I'm fully yeah. on board with Team Giselle, Team Robin, the Green Eyed Bandits. Fully yes. on board with Monique. We <laughs> love Monique. Karen is a nutter butter. Ashley's crazy. Her husband You're anti is Candace. Not. Candace, how is her mom a therapist? Oh how? yeah, that mom. That mom how? is trouble. How? How? <laughs> how? Who is she giving advice to? Who is she like? No. 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 I mean, Candace is tough. Ashley is tough. That damn husband of hers is. Just just such a bad dude. Yeah, not cool. Not cool. Not cool. Well, I love Monique. I, I love Monique's husband, Chris. So fun. He's he he's he seems like the sweetest of the bunch. And then Wendy's husband seems fun too, but we don't know that much about him. We don't know much about Wendy yet. Wendy came in hot. Wendy came in hot. She came in hot. I'm on the fence with Wendy. I'm, I'm into her. I respect like 
the sort of like life she's cultivated and it's like very impressive. Um, but I mean, she is like coming in very aggro, which I think you have to be if you're coming in, if you're a newcomer to a franchise that's established and like has storylines like very tightly wound together. You got it. You got to be like, you know, a Wendy or a Dorinda or like, you know, an Erica Jane, I guess. Oh, I don't know. Dorinda. I know, oh, poor thing. She was my I favorite love coming Dorinda. in. But what, like, a Shakespearean end to her? Like, she came in, like, so casual and, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really, like, I don't really give a shit about this. And then now she's just, like, the alcohol monster. She's had a bad year. I know, I know, I know. She's had a bad year. And you know, I, I can't stand Ramona. Oh, she, I've, I've gone on record and said this before. I hope Ramona Singer dies alone. <laughs> she's called me a he, she before. What? Yeah, years ago. Did, Fuck we you, Ramona Singer. No. Wait, I thought we talked about this on your podcast. Maybe. Wait, rem- no, I would have remembered this. Wait, what? Rem- okay, many years ago, I was doing this, like, CBS radio show or whatever, and it was, like, at the very beginning of my drag career. I don't even know how I got yeah. on the show. And it was, like, maybe <laughs> season one or two of Housewives, and I wasn't, yeah. like, a housewifer at the time, but now, like, I'm yeah. a diehard. But right. she came in. It's a radio program. On yeah. the radio. And she comes in with hair and makeup. She, like, brings, you know, her jewelry. She was, like, selling jewelry, I guess, at the time. Her jewelry line to show off and blah, blah, blah. And she's going on and on. And so so on air, she's like, so, like, what are you? Like, a he, she? And I was like, wow. And I was, like, you know, 20 or 21 at the time. I didn't know how to handle it. So it was very intense. But I was just thinking, like, this bitch, you brought hair and makeup to a radio show, and you're trying to read me? Come on. No, sorry, sorry. I, I, you might have just frozen out for a second. Sorry, but keep going, keep going. Did you hear me? I, wait, wait. You, I, it cut off right when you said, um, Ramona brought in a bunch of jewelry. Oh well. Okay, for editing, we're gonna tell the story again. Yes. <laughs> thank you. No, I was just saying. She, we were doing this radio program. I was very new to drag. She was very new to housewives, whatever. We're on the radio and she brought, she brought in a hair and makeup team and jewelry uh-huh. to display for the radio. And on air, she's like, so what are you like a, like a he, she, I didn't know how to, I was like this bitch. I could, yeah, no, I, she's not no. a nice person. I'm not no. here. For, and, I, and listen, I'm all about like learning from your mistakes, listening, showing up, growing, evolving, restorative, whatever. Yeah, everything. She has not shown that at all. And I cannot wait for the reunion when Leah tears into her for being in Florida, maskless. She's a big Trump supporter. Her husband, her ex-husband Mario is a big Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. All, um, they they went to, in the beginning of this current season, they went to some house party in the Hamptons that was like... The guy who... it was the guy who threw that big party for Trump in the Hamptons. Exactly. And then, like, Ramona had no qualms about it. Yeah, who, who fucking cares? But, like, it was... Well, I mean, it's like Ramona, Luann, Sonia even, unfortunately. Like, they're all... even And Tinsley didn't vote, I, I believe. The only, like, politically engaged people were Bethany and Carol. Um, and then Leah. Bethany and Carol. I know, I know, I know. I miss Carol. I mean, the, the Bethany-Carol feud kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Do you like Heather? Whole. I like Heather. Heather was Heather was fun and dumb. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, I miss her. I miss her. <laughs> Holla. Holla. <laughs> That's a mess. <laughs> such a mess. Such a mess. But no, I mean, I I feel like I support your housewife's journey for sure. Both desperate and real. But yeah. <laughs> and and the real are desperate. So yes. <laughs> uh, that's the gag. 
Um, I do. I will say I love, I love Andy. Andy donated to my campaign, uh, oh, which I'm super grateful for. He did. Um, I was on the show with Judith Light as a bartender to promote my campaign. That's and right. He donated like a thousand dollars, uh, after Amazing. And I was super grateful. Yeah. So I was like, thanks babe. Ah, oh, wow. We love. I Mr. guess I got to one. I got to one up Andy and donate two grand to you. I'll do it. That's illegal. You're only legally allowed to give a thousand. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but wait, is it is it for campaign financing for donations? Is it? Can you break up a thousand and do like little chunks or no? You can do yeah, but you can't exceed a thousand dollars. But you can break it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Good Over time. Know. Yeah. Good to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell all the tell all the uh, the SNL people. Crew. Yeah. Yes. I will. I will. <laughs> Sounds to do it. My I'll tell dream, BD to do it. BD, BD will donate. For yeah, sure. he'll do it. He'll do it. Yeah. My my well, Audra McDonald donated it as well, <gasps> which we love. Queen Audra. Uh, Queen. Yeah, we love. Um, my dream is I would love for SNL to pair like to parody me. Yes. I, oh my god. Maybe 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 when I'm like in a higher office. I feel I, at that point there will be like a non. I, I'm not even joking. Like there will be like a non-binary, a non-binary cast member, and like they will like portray you. And I like that, that, oh, that's I the only like that. just way for it to happen. I think I would love that. Now you is this okay? Is Kate McKinnon? Uh huh. She she's out right. She's uh, out. On yeah. Sh- yeah. Okay. I was like, do we have to edit that? Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. She's, no, she's, she's out. out. Okay. She's uh-huh. out and on the show, and and, but were you the first? Tell me if I'm wrong. Were you the first out? Gay man on no, the show? No, 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 not at all. Terry Sweeney back in the '80s, um, the first out gay man on television. Period. Just on like network oh, really? TV at all. Like not even like on SNL. I mean, he made history at SNL, obviously, but he was like the first openly gay male actor on television, like reading scripted material. Um, so he kind of like broke every seal and, and ground on all these different things. Um, and he he was a writer there for uh, a little bit as well before he got put on the cast. I think he stayed after to write as well. And then like now he's just living his dream upstate. I think with his husband. I mean, I th- he seems to be doing great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's um, great. I thought I but, for some reason thought you were the. No, no, no. The there was and there, there was Terry, and then there was this uh, uh, very funny LA-based comedian by the name of John Milheiser who was on the cast in 2013, I want to say, 14. Um, and then, I mean, who knows? Maybe some closeted folks before before me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love, I can't wait for the day that there's like trans and non-binary actors on the show. I think it, I think it might happen sooner than we all think. I'm hopeful. I think it, I think it will happen. I think yeah, it will happen. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like as an out, like person in the like spotlight or whatever. Do you feel like pressure in that realm? Um, I vastly back and forth between being like, oh, like I have this responsibility to uphold, and I think we do, like as as queer people, like who are visible, quote unquote. But um, I also feel like, and I'm sure you agree, Marty, where it's like, oh, like no one queer person or otherized person has the responsibility, should bear the responsibility to like represent everybody else because you can't just like turn that one experience into monolith for all these different people um you know there there is always a plurality of experience when it comes to any kind of person and so i'm just like oh wait yeah like i'm sometimes i'm like oh am i posting too many thoughty photos where like the asian like (laughs) like the asian family like in the midwest who like whose child like watches the show like might think oh that's a little untoward or unbecoming i'm just like oh but i 
can only like just have fun and do me. So I, I, I post those body pictures. What's that? Go ahead and post those pictures. Yeah, thanks, you look Marty. great. You look oh great. my god, I look um, fine. I'm, I'm just like putting on like silly clothes, and I'm just like whatever. Like I have no like shame around this anymore, so I just do it. There should be no shame around it. And also, no. fuck, I am super shamed because I forgot to take <gasps> a commercial break. Fifteen oh! minutes in. So here's a word from our sponsors. Boom. Boom. You're doing perfect. Okay, we're back. Oh, I can't believe I <laughs> forgot, but thank you, sponsors. I could never forget you. Thank you so much. Thank you, sponsors. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also love your, um, uh, oh, what's her name picture behind you? I'm like blanking on. Oh, Jerry Blank. Jerry Blank. Yeah. Oh my God. You've got your and you've got your Patty Lapone behind you. We both. Have I have a Patty Lapone. Yeah. For the listeners, I have a Patty Lapone picture, and you have a Jerry Blank picture. Yes. Which I, Amy have Sedaris. you ever seen the video? Of, have you ever seen the video of Amy Sedaris giving a tour of her apartment? Yes. Oh, it's and so she, fun. It's so fun, and she has a rabbit that like eats her furniture. It's everything. She gives it like cardboard to chew on. Um, Obsessed with her. She she has so much rabbit content. She she came out with that crafts book, <laughs> Simple Times. Do you remember that? Like. It, 2011. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. she has another show out with Cola Scola right now. Oh yeah, at home with, with Amy Sedaris. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I just like what a fun like kind of like persona. Like, cause because her because her first book was about entertaining while like under the influence or whatever. That's what the title was. And then the second one was Crafts for Poor People. So it was just like what a fun like it's a lifestyle. It's like making fun of like a lifestyle brand. Um and just like kind of like presentationally like having fun with that like thing because it's like supposed to be this like cooking show or show or this like you know decorating show and then you have like people like Cole Skull and a wig come in and you know wreak havoc so Cole yeah is a like comedic genius for people who don't know who Cole genius. Skull is please get into it did you ever watch Jeffrey and Cole Casserole on Logo? yes yes yeah. I was on three early days blessings. yeah you were <laughs> three episodes bitch yeah oh my god but they would film it with like some Kmart handheld yeah. camera back in the day it was before iphones it was before yep. it was like really really homemade but on tv it was brilliant it was brilliant it was like one of our earliest examples of like like i guess i don't know if it predated big gay sketch show which was also on logo or after or if it, it came was after. before yeah i think it was before it's before right because kate mckinnon was on big gay sketch show um but uh but jeffrey and cole casserole like that was like they they were doing these youtube videos when youtube was a new thing and then like just kind of like scaled up their thing and it's like oh they've been like laying the groundwork like this whole time and like yeah, they're, they're, they're both, both brilliant. so brilliant love, brilliant people we love but that go ahead i filmed that around the time that ramona called me he should <sighs> Which is probably good because it's like you're like I don't care what the fuck you think I like yeah. I'm shooting a damn like, TV show I'm a logo bitch. Ugh, <laughs> God, you like you I, you I feel like um we're very 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 quick on like getting like the like getting media sort of like keyed into like being seen, which is like I think like is what makes you so like venerated in like the community which is like oh like we have all seen marty in different capacities over the years and it's like i mean on, okay can we can we just say that like i've said this for the, for the millionth time but you and i you and i um, announced pride together uh, oh my a couple god years ago the, my eyebrows look so bad on that day you look oh, gorgeous no my <laughs> girl i don't know i was going through this phase where i had like these giant 
I don't know what I was. It was very fun being with you, but my eyebrows very fun being with you. (laughs) You looked phenomenal that day, but I just have to say, like, it was you, me, and Mike Kelton. It was you, me, and Mike Kelton, and this was like you know before like we all sort of like woke up to the fact that like you know pride hires cops and whatever, but um you just were able to like go out there and like every single and at least there were at least two people in every single group and like every parade sort of like coalition that would come up to you and be like, Oh my God, Marty. Like, and it was just, <laughs> and it was just this thing like, that I got to see firsthand and up close where I was just like, Oh, like Marty means so much to, to so many different people. Um, and it's just like, so, so fantastic. It's so cool. And like, you have like earned that and does you deserve that like respect from everybody. You're very sweet. Thank you. Thank anyway. you. Anyway. Uh, that's very sweet. I, Is it okay that I brought up cops <laughs> at Pride? That, well, I, 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 I will not do... I won't do it anymore either. I, I won't do yeah. Pride anymore because of that. I'll do the Queer March, which I, I love so the, strongly support. I love the Queer Liberation March, yes. Yeah, but I think it's like one of those things where as a drag artist who so... How do I word this? So we should not have cops at Pride. No. Like... We should not have, especially like looking at what happened this year with the police. I was right there when they were pepper spraying. Uh, you were, you were, were, you were brutalized. You yeah. were brutalized specifically. And, 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 and so it's like, you know, I had been arrested in June and then pepper sprayed at pride this year. So we don't need cops at pride. Uh, we don't need pride to be a corporate event. So I think what should happen is, you know, these, these floats, you know, say, I don't know, TD bank, let's just use that for an example. Say sure, TD sure. bank buys a float. It costs like tens of thousands of dollars for them to get this mm-hmm. flow to just, mm-hmm. just to get it in the parade. Then they're spending thousands of dollars on building the float. Then thousands of dollars on merchandise for their people to yes. hand out and wear. So what they should do is instead team up with the queer liberation march and say, the money we would have spent on pride, we will contribute to the queer liberation yes. march to then distribute to organizations that support the most marginalized within the queer community, which are yes. trans people, black trans people, queer youth experiencing homelessness, our seniors who don't have access to care. You know, there's so many groups yes. that could benefit from this. And, 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 and instead of throwing their logo on stuff, throw their, their weight behind actually supporting pride. Yes. And then still, you know, and as a queer artist who like, I, I get hired by corporations for pride. One of my things is I, I make it a point to say, okay, like, are you just doing this in June or are you actively yes. throughout the year benefiting yep. queer organizations? And and because, you know, like artists have to make money. So corporations yep. should still, you know, drag artists, DJs, comedians, dancers should still do corporate gigs during pride, but make sure that those corporations are, are not just doing it during pride, but actually like contributing um, throughout the year. But yeah, no cops at pride, no corporate floats at pride. No, 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 no more yep. of that bullshit. No more. Yeah. I mean, no more. Thank you for saying all that. That's a great idea because, um, you know, like th- I, I think this year sort of laid bare the whole notion of like, oh, but wait, why are we only, why are like drag artists and queer performers only like, cause like the, the, the sort of like common sentiment or thing that kept coming up was all these different people in the arts, these different arts workers being like, oh, like it's a real bummer this year in June that we don't have any, that our bookings are like non-existent because, you know, it's Pride Month and we're queer performers, but it's like, oh, but that that sort of that sort of speaks to like the shitty, flawed model that is. It's all concentrated in this one month where it should be. Evenly it should be year round. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. 
and I'm super grateful. Like I have a relationship with a couple different companies that are like very good about hiring year round. Yeah. And then, you know, if I recommend somebody, you know, like my drag daughter peaches, who's mm-hmm. a fierce black drag queen, you know, being like, Hey, I'm not available. Hire peaches or yeah. hire, you know, uh, and refer. And they're like, okay, we, we will do that, you know? Cause it's so important to just like, I don't know, spread it around Co- and collectivism over individualism. Yeah. 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 Uh, so fuck the police. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically <laughs> fuck the police. So uh, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like, Oh my gosh, let me tell you, I, I'm all about defunding. Um, that is my Wait. whole, whole life journey it. now. <laughs> defund. You got to defund. Uh, I'm all about it. Um, what, so you're from California or not from Colorado rather. You're yes. from Colorado. Uh, uh-huh. You grew up there. I grew up there. I moved there when I was eight years old from Montreal. So I was in Canada. Montreal? For a bit. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean? I um I so we our, our, my family moved to Ontario when I was six months old, and then we moved to uh, Quebec, and we moved to like the suburbs around Montreal when I was like you know like two. Um, so I spent like six years. I spent like the first eight years of my life in Canada, and then do you speak the um, French? I spoke French better than I, better than I spoke English, and then when I moved to Colorado. Within six months, my English really improved, but I completely forgot all my French. Like, it was just that sort of fast of a, like, a turnover, which, like, bums me out. Because now, I mean, like, I can, like, understand bits and pieces of French when I hear it now. Um, but it's tough. Like, French is, like, a pretty cool language. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I know. My, yeah. uh, my husband and I had our, we had our honeymoon in Paris. And mm. on, like, day three, I was like, wait are you speaking French the whole <laughs> fucking time? He's like speaking French and I had no idea. I was like, Oh my God. Like he speaks it. Is so- yeah. I had no idea. Uh, and I married <laughs> this man, the secret. I was like, Oh my gosh. And he was just like ordering for, I had no, I was like oblivious to it. And then wow. on day three, I was like, wait a minute. It took you to day three. I was just, I was looking at stuff. Like, I was like, oh, look at that, look at that bell tower. <laughs> I was looking at stuff. And his, you were just so used to being taken care of he's by a him. Good, he's a good hubby. He's a good yeah. hubby. He, That's he, so funny. Yeah, then I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I love that you're from Canada. I had no idea. Yeah, so I'm dual. So I was I was just a Canadian citizen with my green card um, until I was 17. And my parents, I helped my parents study for their um, naturalization test. And then I sort of, because I was under 18, like as soon as they got citizenship, I got it too. Oh, um, that's great. But that test is super hard. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. At the time, at the time it was easy, but now it's probably, now it's much more esoteric. And like, I remember even a couple years ago before Trump got elected, I remember being in Colorado. Um, this was like after college, I was in Colorado hanging out with them and then they had friends over, this really nice family over, um, Chinese family, um, you know, had, had a little bit of money to throw around and they were looking into, um, whatever their best sort of like way in immigration wise was. And so I drove them to this immigration lawyer downtown in Denver who specialized in, um, this kind of thing. And lawyer was also Chinese. And then I sat in with the family while they met with the lawyer and the, it was just so dark and chilling because the lawyer just sat down with them and immediately was like, 
So um, it's really bad and hard right now, and there's basically no hope for you guys except oh if you except if you like did like um an investment immigration thing where if it's an investment visa where you have to like pay like five hundred thousand dollars up front, and I was just like. And then you could, I could see like the hope like leave their bodies and their eyes, like this oh family. And I was just God. like, which is like, again, like such a, that's such like a best case scenario for people wanting to immigrate to this country. But like, I like, it would like crush my soul if I were to like, you know, really, really, really like take on like all of like the collective pain and sorrow of people trying to like come into this country for a better life or seek asylum or whatever. And it's, and it's just like, Oh, our country has made it so stupidly difficult and arcane um, to become naturalized here. And then for what? Because, like, is that even that great here? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this pandemic is just like, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying anything that nobody else has said, but it's just like, why are we like, like, what's like, I don't know. Like, I like, I, I mean, whatever. I love New York. I love, I love being here. I'm very grateful for everything that. Um, for my life here and like I don't know that I would necessarily trade it for something else um, leading up to this but I'm just like god like there's just so much that is fundamentally broken about things here like systemically and locally and like socially like on a on an interpersonal level so much is like fucked up so I'm just like damn I really wonder like what's what's the value proposition of America right now you know <laughs> yeah yeah, our country is. Uh... I'm bringing it down. I'm so sorry, Marty. No, like... no, no, no. This is what we talk like. This. Hold on. We're gonna take a. We're, we're okay. We're gonna take yes, a, yes, a yes. quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be right back to this. <laughs> Here we go. Boom, and we are back talking about the downfall of America. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, you're right. Like, just to to pick up, you know, where where we just were. Um, our country is so deeply flawed. And I think it's important to remember, like so many people I feel are, are of the mindset right now, like, Oh my gosh, all this stuff is like happening now. And it's like, no, no our country no. is built on stolen land. And it was built by people who were stolen from their land who were not able to profit off of it. But you yeah. know, our country is built on genocide and, and systemic racism and oppression. So the system is doing everything it was designed to do. So now we have to rebuild the system to be one that's equal and equitable for everyone. And that's why, you know, people say, oh, Trump is terrible. I talked about this on, on a podcast, you know, I recorded earlier today, but people are like, oh, Trump is so mm -hmm. bad. And it's like, yeah, he is the worst of the worst of the worst, but there's an entire system that has allowed him to get yes. into office and to do the stuff that he's doing. So it's more than just Trump. It's like an entire, and it's more than even just the Republican party. It's an entire system that has right. allowed this shit to happen. So, uh, yeah, it fucking sucks and it's scary and horrible, but I believe in the power of goodness. And I believe that goodness will win in the end. And it's just going to take a lot of fighting and mm -hmm. a lot of literal blood, sweat and tears to get there. But I do believe protests work and, and uh, they do. Yeah, we gotta we gotta fuck it up. I know, I know. I mean, yeah, I mean, even with the with what you're saying about the Trump of it all, it's like it it, it also just I'm I'm think I've like reframed my whole way of thinking around collectivism versus individualism, where it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be the individual's responsibility, even um on our side of things, where it's like, you know, on some fundamental level, like, you know, you have to like 
educate yourself and you have to um, catch up to a baseline of understanding with like what's going on in this country socially, but also at the same time, like um, any narrative, Kimberly Crenshaw says this, um, she's, she's this professor, she's this like legal scholar who coined the term intersectionality. And she is just like, anytime someone finds success, they have to reject the notion of individual resilience or exceptionalism because that just buys into like bootstrap theory bullshit because you have to be able to be like, Oh no, I'm successful because these structures of success helped me get to where I am. And that applies in the inverse too, where it's like, Oh no, Trump is not an individual like sort of um, anomaly in the system. Like Trump was kind of like conveyor belted into where he is now because Mm -hmm. of all these things that are in place. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of like framed my whole, reframed my whole way of thinking. It's like collectivist, collective action versus individual responsibility. And it's, and it's, and yeah, we just have to be collectively active together to like make sure non-neoliberal bullshit wins and prevails. I love that. Or a non, non-neoliberal good shit. Prevails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, 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 I, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> I, uh, I, lo- I love that. Oh! Oh, God, I love it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, before we, before we, we end, I, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, with Matt Rogers, who I love so much. How did He's you guys start best. that? How did you guys get going on that? We were doing sketch comedy, um, like on a very amateur level. We had a show at, you know, a theater in the city. Um, and we were just pounding the pavement, trying to like book TV jobs and stuff and trying to like make a name for ourselves um, by like performing and like, you know, writing and putting our stuff on stage, um, which was great and so gratifying and um, wonderful. And we met so many good people along the way. And then one day I had this uh, network approach me and they were like, do you have an idea for a podcast? We're starting this like sort of like, you know, alt comedy focused like podcast network. It's sort of like very um, scrappy and, it'll be, it'll feel really fun and like homey and local. And I was just like, okay, yeah. So it's low stakes. Um, I have all these ideas. They were very high concept, but then I was like, actually, I just want to bring in my friend, Matt. Um, and they were like, yeah, do it. So I, you know, I, my, 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 my natural instinct was just to bring in Matt anyway, cause I don't like doing things alone. Um, even when it comes to writing or even when it comes to performing, I'm just like, oh, no, I need like a partner there. Like that's kind of like the improviser. I love collaborations. Where, yeah. That's why I love yeah. working with Bob and Mitch on this. Like it's so nice to just like yeah. work with your friends and put it right? together. Yeah. I mean, like I respect the hell out of stand-up comedians or like any any artist, performance or art worker who is just like by themselves and it's fully like a self-produced thing. And um, I just like don't have the capacity for that, I think, even with my like you know, solutions oriented or detail oriented sort of way of thinking. Um, but I brought Matt in and then we just like, we're batting around other ideas and th- th- there were so many different things where we like, we could do like um, America's Next Top podcast host where we host like a reality podcast where we like audition different podcast hosts. But then we were like, no, I mean like we just had all these, we had like a choose your own adventure podcast that we were thinking about, but then we were like, no, let's just stick to something low concept, very silly, won't take a lot of work. Um, something that we'll want to do week and week after week after week, something that we don't have to prep for really. And like write a bunch of scripts for or whatever, something sustainable. Basically we were yeah. like, how do we build something that's like going to be very low touch, low fi and we can just sort of pump out whenever we want. Um, well, it's one of the greatest podcasts ever. No, it's, come on. Yeah, no, I mean it not just because I'm on it, but yes, 
No, it's so good. Like, it's so funny and so good. Like, you guys are... Oh, thanks. You're very good together. Like, it's very Thanks. Funny. No, he's like, you know, he's like, you know, one of those, like, whenever you find, like, a creative soulmate, it's like, you know, it's like falling in love. And so... um and I feel, I feel like Matt and I feel that way about each other very much. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm just, I'm just sort of, um, taken aback by the longevity aspect of it. Like I have never committed to something for longer than like three months in all aspects of my life. Well, you know, babe, just you're like, in it. You're in it now. No, I know. I know. <laughs> but, but I just, but I feel like, I feel like what's so important and what was so critical about, um, that like initial conception stage was that we were like, how, let's just do something that's like, low effort, which sounds like a cop-out, which sounds like, oh, you know, you should put effort into what you want to do. But as long as you are, well, I feel you're like, busy, the, like you want to like, like with this podcast, like I like that I can record it whenever I want. Yeah. Like super chill. And just yep. like, I just want to like shoot the shit and like yeah. talk about politics and laugh a little bit, you know, like, I love that. That's it. But that's like, great. That, that, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's all it has to be. It just has to be something that like comes naturally. And so we just kept wanting to do it despite like not having any audience for the first like year and a half. We sort of built that very slowly. And now it's sort of organically like, you know, we have this like listenership who we really like and connect with and um, have seen us like in dark times and good times. And they good sort of like. times and bum times. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wait, I can't, I can't wait for like the day when we're all like in a space together again and for someone to play at a gay bar, um, Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand singing Happy Days oh, are here God. again. And I'm two just drag like, queens on stage join it. Oh my uh, God. You know? I miss, yeah. I miss, I miss queer spaces. It, I feel like, I feel like we've, we're, 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 we've crested the hill and now we're downhill and we're, we're going to hopefully get there really soon. We're going to get there. We're going to get there with, with Judy and Barbara. And yes. All the other gals would be wonderful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I love you so much. Uh, I love you, Marty. Thank you so much for, for joining this. You're amazing. You're the um, best. Oh, I love you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to eat. I'm like, Dying. Go eat, to, go eat, go eat. I have to go eat. I have to go to the grocery store. That's what I have to do. Um, do everyone, it. thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Marty Talks with our special guest, Bo and Yang. Today's episode was brought to you by Purse First Productions, by the drag queen, Mitch Farino. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Fill out the census. Register to vote. Go vote. Absentee. Drop it at the poll station. Do whatever you have to do. But please, for the love of fucking God, vote. And not for a Republican, because they are what? Bad people. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>